0: hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers down under third episode for the season already and I'm joined this week by Logan how are you Logan Evening, Alex yeah doing really well mate it's uh, good to be back
1: on and like I said third episode already it's it seems like we're off to a flyer
0: yeah absolutely and and off to a flyer we were with that win over Preston um you know Dan and I last week I posted the little clip of our prediction during the week um, we'll pretty cautiously pessimistic i'd say in the end given the result uh 4-1 winners in the end uh did concede the early goal which i was worried about um speaking last week but you know showed showed our medal showed our skills and quality and and pulled through for the 4-1 win how did you find it such an interesting tie wasn't it you always have that first day of the
1: season nerves and i guess there's so much unknown about it and you know, we weren't without any um, kind of hype over over the off season. And, you know, we knew we had a few injuries, we are missing some key players in, in the form of Honeyman in particular. And I guess there'd been a lot of speculation whether Wilkes was gonna play um, or, or at least start anyhow, uh, given the, the limited football he'd played. So, I mean, look, 4-1 away from home on, on the opening day, it's, it's really hard to to find any any criticisms um, in, in that performance. and. I guess the performance itself was just such a such an interesting game it, it seemed end to end and certainly one of a huge momentum shifts uh, as you mentioned that that goal when they scored i think uh, eight minutes in uh, we really didn't look to to be at the races and it, it kind of got the feeling that you know it's going to be one of those um, opening day kind of struggles where uh, we went down narrowly or kind of gonna play our way back into the game but you know maybe couldn't have scored and then I guess if you fast forward you know 82 minutes of football to come up with a 4-1 result was incredibly uh surprising and uh just a true testament to to the character of the of the playing group to kind of work their way back into the battle and um and then just show some incredibly uh, positive attacking pro s uh you know this early on in the season it was it was a really good game to watch
0: yeah, and, and look, you know, mentioned um, Honeyman there. Of the eleven that played, only Moncur didn't play for City last season, and and you know, you'd almost be forgiven for all about Honeyman in the sense that we just just clicked and gelled so brilliantly. Um, in his absence, um, I think that was a big worry for us going into that game. Um, the other one being Elder missing at left back um, with Emmanuel slotting in there, and and I guess he was he was the one most at fault for their goal, but really grew into the game as it went on, but. Um, I guess for me it was really interesting because almost in the first minute or two we had that chance where KLP got put through on goal and arguably another ref might have given their keeper a red card for the challenge or the the sort of the clattering together of him and KLP uh, which ultimately ended up with him um, being subbed off um, about 10 minutes later um, but it was yeah it was a very open start and, and then and then as you say they they did get that goal on eight minutes and um, I guess the sort of comparison I'd made last week was, you know, when when we went up to the Premier League under Bruce and we played, I think it was Chelsea on the opening day and they had, you know, they had De Bruyne and Hazard and Lukaku off the bench, you know, towards the end of that game and they had a lot of quality players in that side and you're sort of sitting there watching. That, I think they got a penalty after about 10 minutes and you're sitting there watching that game, you know, thinking, boy, you know, we've sort of taken a real step up. Um, obviously this was at a lower scale than that, but to concede after eight minutes, First game back in the championship, you think, "Oh, okay, um, is this squad actually going to be up for the challenge?" And and they certainly proved it. Um, and to have four different goal scorers, it's one of those one of those aspects that's always so underrated or or sort of overlooked, I guess, in games. Is just the even spread of goals across that 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 lineup. Um, you get you got Cannon scoring on debut. You got Eves with a you know ridiculous back heel assist. Um, as I sort of said in our chat, I think the only thing missing that could have topped off the, day, off the day would have been Graves banging in a header from a corner, but look, it was just about as perfect as you could have hoped for.
1: It really was, and uh, I know that it looked like a great day out at Deepdale. It was really exciting to see the fans back. I know that was certainly something I picked up on the, as we were kind of viewing it, like there, there was a real um, air of excitement around the club, which we would expect, but Um, you know first day back with with actual fans in a a round game and to and to come away with with such a you know a positive away victory it it just sets a really nice tone doesn't it and um, there was just so much to like about um, the way that we played and I guess you know we'll we'll go on and and talk about our three two ones I'm sure but it was another real spectacle for uh, for KLP and he really has just hit the ground running um, in his pre-season form and uh, I guess just his performance on on Saturday was, um, you know, something to be marvelled at uh, by the City Faithful and it's
0: just such a joy to watch him play at the moment. And I think, look, we've, we've said for seasons and I think even last championship season when he was getting sort of cameos off the bench and we were already starting to see that promise and, you know, the inevitable comparisons to Jared Bowen and his own trajectory from the academy, well, from the youth team down to 23s, I'd say, because Bowen wasn't strictly an academy player, you'd say. But KLP being a hull lad, having, you know, he was he was getting the pizza from the Alums while waiting for Ben Arfa to sign seven years ago. Things just things like that, that connection to the club and the city um, makes his journey and his trajectory just that little bit more special. Um, there have mm-hmm. been City fans already, already sort of saying that he's actually got a little bit more promise about him than Jared Bowen. And uh, look, it's hard to argue with it. I guess I guess for me, the thing about KLP as distinct from Bowen is that whilst KLP scores the goals he can cut inside, he's a really pacey, tricky winger. He also creates a lot of chances for other players. And look, I could be wrong on this. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I don't think Bowen was a huge assistor of, of goals. He was more the finisher and he like he was more of a, of a Wilkes where he'd just take the shots when he got through on goal. But it just feels like KLP has a bit more of an all-round game than Bowen might have. It's. I think that's a really interesting comment, and and probably more so along
1: the lines of. I, I know that certainly when uh, Bowen and Grizicky went on that uh, that mm. tear in the, in the championship, and were were certainly um, you know, the source of of our goals. And usually, when one of them would score, the the other was providing the assist. But I definitely think it's fair to say that certainly earlier in Jared Bowen's career, at, at this stage of of when he was playing for City and KLP was. Um, I know that Jared Bowen wasn't obviously seeing as much first team football, and it did take him kind of a little bit longer to really really strap. So, you know, when we look at the the age of KOP and and I guess how quickly um, he has you know provided such an impact in both his goal scoring and his assists, I think that is a fair comment for this point in time. And as you said, uh, you know, one thing that we we know about the the city, uh, you know, faithful is uh, they love a hometown hero and. You know when you when you put it like that with the famous ben arthur a, a pizza uh you know a story and his his little boyish face um to see him with that real passion and desire to do well for, for his hometown club it's uh, it's so easy for the fans to just jump on board and you know be in awe of him
0: yeah and i and i don't think it can be understated how cool it is having him Reeves and Coyle all in the starting lineup, all whole locals. It's um it's awesome to see. And it's it's great that there was a there was a period there where there was just no real tangible link between the Academy and the first team. And, you know, credit where it's due to the Alums putting the investment in, getting the Academy up to a, a category two or category B or whatever it's called, um, putting that investment into the Academy. We're now starting to see the fruits of that. We're starting to see those players coming through. And um, yeah it's it's awesome to see that connection now and and even at championship level um they're, they're really making an impact you know Greaves probably took a little bit of time to settle into the game he had a couple of um, loose moments that header um, that opened up the chance for Preston i think early in the second half um but he he, he showed glimpses and signs that he's going to be able to step up as well absolutely and
1: i I guess yeah like you said i I always draw comparisons with with a model like that when it comes to the the team chemistry and i guess the you know the feel that you've created in a team in the spirit like when steve bruce bought in um you know the irish lads and and there was that real core contingent of of those guys you could you could tell and get that sense and that they cared about the club and they really wanted to be there and they kind of built something and you know, when we went down to League One, it was it was really hard to to make that argument that there was a core people or, or core group that that really did care. Um, and I think that the emergence of of this young core has just been a surprise to us, but such a, a breath of fresh air. And there's a real camaraderie in in not just the blame group, but I think it's brought the the fans together as well, because you know, as I said, they they really do appreciate the hometown heroes and to to have three of them playing first-team football in in the championship, nonetheless, it's uh, it's an absolute joy.
0: And dare I say it, perhaps shades of uh, Andy Dawson and Ashby Boas-Myhill sort of climbing the leagues together as, a, as that sort of central core of City. And look, who knows, we're top of the table after one round. Let's let's see how it keeps going from there. But um, I'll grab your 3-2-1 for the match before we move on. I feel,
1: just as I kind of reflect on this game now and, I uh, probably got caught up in the excitement of you know such a such a positive result. But the man that we haven't mentioned, and credit where credit's due, is probably in the preseason podcast. he was the man whose head I was calling for as far as uh, who I didn't think was perhaps at the standard that we expect. Is uh, nonetheless than uh, than Richie Smallwood. I thought he was absolutely fantastic on on Saturday, and um, well, I still probably would have given my my man of the match to KLP just because of the influence he had on the game. Um so certainly he will be he'll be wearing my my three points for this week and I was disgusted to see that he didn't make the AFL uh team oh, of the week. Ridiculous. Yeah. I thought I thought that was uh, an absolute robbery. Um there was a none more deserving player in the championship that weekend than KLP. Uh, but Richie Smallwood did get in and uh and Grant McCann was also the, the manager of yeah. the side. I thought it was fascinating. So KLP takes my three points. Uh, Richie Smallwood would take my two. Uh, there's a real toss-up here for me between uh, whether I I give my 1.2. I thought Ingram made some really crucial saves in, in key moments, and I thought that he had a, a real influence on the game. But my boy Josh Magennis just uh, getting back on the score sheet again and, and, and a very tidy finish, by the way, from an incredibly uh, per- darn perfect uh, ball from, from KLP. I, I probably want to give it to him just because... I, I guess that affiliation. I, I'm, I'm delighted in watching his resurrection and, and to see oh. him score the opening round and just to keep keep it going. He, he really seems isn't like, he seems yeah. like such a spiritual leader of of the team when when he gets a, a goal or you know gets a little bit of uh, wind in his sail. He he really seems to um, have such a key role in the momentum. So uh, I think I'll give my one to to him.
0: Yeah, I think I saw he's got eight in nine competitive games or something like that. Ridiculous. And um, I saw, I heard a comment on another podcast last week that, you know, sometimes these players just find it. Something clicks late in their career. You know, you're not necessarily a 22, 23-year-old. Sometimes you're a 28, 29-year-old and you just get it. You know where to run. You know how to how to read the ball coming in and, and to, to score the goals and it just all clicks for you. And it looks like it's clicked for Magenis. It looks like he's in a system that works for him. He understands the play. Um, and it's working, and it's it's awesome to see, and uh, yeah, like you said, so happy to see him score a goal on the opening day, and just keep that run going, keep that confidence at the higher level, because you sometimes might see, you know, you made that step up, like like Eve's uh, two seasons ago, you made that step up, you kind of don't score for the first couple of games, you start to question yourself, your confidence gets rocky, and then it all sorts of sort of falls apart, so yeah, no, getting that goal was uh, super important for him, I reckon, but Yeah, look, I I can't argue with your three and your two. I think KLP easily stand out for the three best on ground. Um, Smallwood definitely as well didn't really touch on him before, but, you know, proving the the doubt is wrong, really stepping Mm. up, especially in Honeyman's absence, goal and assist, um, really awesome display from him. Um, I'm going to give it to the new boy, Moncur for the one. I thought he was – we sort of talked about him in preseason. I think he was really um, – had a really good work rate, really, you know, good displays across the in in those sorts of attacking positions on the ground uh, made a lot of opportunities for the players and and yeah looks a really really promising signing so I'll give him the one vote for that one um we don't have a whole lot to talk about for this morning's game just because um in fairness we haven't had the chance to watch it which was a shame it would have been great to be able to um get that on Tigers TV but you know we, we sort of saw a couple of the penalties we saw KLP's goal as well so I guess The bigger sort of talking point out of this one i guess is the fact that a you know we did lose the game and and thoughts on that um and then also just thoughts on the players that did play and 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 any sort of uh positives to come out of that so so firstly we sort of talked before the podcast went to air just about the actual implications of losing the game what what were your thoughts on that so
1: it is it's fascinating following such a positive result on the weekend i think that uh, just to have the first round of a cup. It almost, in, in some ways, it's it's fair to say that it's a bit of an anti-climax, like having such a, a huge start to the season and then, you know, having to start a cup run midweek against the, uh, you know, with all due respect, the, the lowly ranked Wigan. It's it's not exactly the most exciting fixture, uh, fixture to, to get yourself, you know, out of, out of bed for, so to speak. But um, I, I was really surprised at how strong the lineup was. Um, it, When I looked at it on paper, I thought it... It was probably a game that um, you know McCann it seemed to mean something to to him and, and certainly the playing group that they really wanted to win it. So I guess from that angle, it's it's disappointing. Although um, you know we we speculated that perhaps there's a little bit more to why the team selection was uh, was that way. And I guess the argument or the point I put forward, and I could be absolutely wrong in saying this, but maybe McCann was of the, um, you know, of the persuasion to kind of let's try and keep the momentum going to to win a, a fixture so early after following Saturday's great result. Could have been a huge step in the right direction just for, you know, keeping the dressing room up. And, and the players, yeah, came and, you
0: know, first game back at the MKM, um, yeah. get used to that name, but, you know, first mm-hmm. game back there, trying to give the fans something to cheer about as well, perhaps. Absolutely. and
1: And I guess, you know, when when we look at some of the other contributing factors to this season, with the with the transfer embargo and the fact that we are reduced in our squad numbers, I mean, uh, playing extra fixtures, uh, I've always kind of been a, a big believer in in cups only mattering when you find yourself in the later rounds. Um, yep. It's a great opportunity to rotate the squad, but I, I guess if, if you fall, fall out in the, we'll get bundled out in round one or two, it's it's not exactly the most critical thing to the fan base and. Um, you know, then once you reach the, the quarters or the semis, there's a lot to get excited about. But if you don't get there, you don't get there. And so fascinating fixture. It was a shame to go down in penalties. I don't think we can read too much into that game, um, except other than, you know, nice again to see KLP on the score sheet. And from from what I was reading on Twitter and the reports, I heard that um, Bernard had a, a fantastic game as well. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to speak
0: too much into that, not having seen
1: it myself, but it was it seemed to be the consensus.
0: Yeah, um, no, good to hear that he had a had a pretty good game and Eves as well. I think I heard was um, trying pretty hard in that one as well, which is good to see. Um, <clears throat> I did like the comment that I saw on Twitter that, you know, losing 8-7 on penalties to Wigan beats losing 8-0 to Wigan. So we'll take that any day. <laughs> but, yeah, look, I, I probably agree. Um, generally, I like a cup run, but if we're going to be sort of reduced to playing quite strong lineups, I, I don't necessarily want to see your Greaves or your KLP or Emmanuel even um, I mean, well, granted, Emmanuel did play on the weekend, but if he wasn't in the starting lineup, maybe getting a run out. But um, you don't want to be kind of burning them out too early in the season. So, yeah, not too bothered losing that one. Um, okay, so transfer window has probably about a week or two left to run. So it is nearing its end. We have brought in Matt Smith um, just before the deadline last week. So he was able to play on the weekend, who we haven't really touched on, but seems to be quite a promising signing coming in from Man City. Um look, I guess at this stage, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of business left to do. It it seems as if from everything that I've read that essentially it's relying on if Thomas Meyer leaves the club, we'll be able to bring in one further player and it looks like that player is Tommy Huddleston. Mm -hmm. It does sound as if he has a bit of interest from other clubs as well, so it will be interesting to see what happens there. But looking at the squad, you know, I guess it's a hard question to answer having just won a game 4-1. You think everything's roses. You think there's no need to improve the squad at all, but... You know, looking at the squad, do you, do you have any senses of areas that we probably need to strengthen before the window closes? I really liked
1: what I saw on Saturday, and I don't know if that was mainly because the result was so promising, um, which it's kind of easy to to have clouded vision. What I would be really fascinated uh, to kind of just to, to hear is the the conversation between Grant McCann and Tom Huddleston as to what he's offering him. Um I kind of – I touched on this a few weeks ago where I thought that Tom Huddleston maybe does have a role to play in, I guess, in the fans' minds anyway. He's definitely a, a romantic signing that people really love the, um, you know, the experience in the dressing room. But it'd just be interesting to see the the level of um, of responsibility he would place on, on Tom Huddleston in the squad from week to week. I mean, it's a very congested midfield when we think about, yeah. you know, sports. Smallwood had a great game on the weekend we've got Honeyman, we've got Doherty, we've got um, Matt Smith there's the the list goes on our, our midfield is is incredibly stacked and Tom Huddleston is a incredibly um, you know <laughs> credentialed player and someone who offers a lot but what role would that look like for him week in week out and what is is Tom expecting um, to get and I think that that largely hinges I I have no issues with um, with Thomas Mayer being moved on I don't think that he is um, you know, certainly part of the long-term plans, and I think that he's a player that we can afford to lose. With with all due respect to him, um, but that Huddleston signing, if if as you said, if that is all there is to to be done potentially, um, it's an intriguing one, and uh, you know I, I'd like to see it happen, but I would like to see it on the on the guys that it it fits Grant McCann's plans, and it's not just merely he's a name, he's a player that. That we like and that we're you know we've come to know and love as a as a hero at, at, at our club is is he still going to have that same impact um and uh, you know what's that going to look like from week to week i i, I can't answer those questions and so uh, without without saying i think we need to add anywhere i'm i'm fascinated to see what happens in the next seven days
0: yeah and i think the key point in what you just said which was really important as well is what does tom expect if he was to sign for city if he's if he was prepared to sign for City thinking that he's going to be in the starting 11 every second game or something like that. I don't know if that's something that we could guarantee him. I think, as you say, the midfield is so stacked now, you know, Cannon, Smith, um, uh, uh, well, Williams is, I guess, more of a wide player, but um, there's there's a number of players who didn't even make the starting 11 on the weekend who'd probably or, or definitely would be ahead of Huddleston um, in any event. Um I think the thing about Huddleston at least is he's quite a different sort of player to them. They're all quite um, um, workmanlike. They've got a good engine. They'll be running up and down the pitch, whereas he's more of someone who can dictate the pace of the game. And, you know, if he came on as a 70th-minute sub to sort of just to, to run the game, to control the ball, to, to sort of spray those passes out to the wings, to Lewis Potter and Wilkes, um, mm-hmm. it's a good alternative if we're sort of looking to manage a game and see it out. Um but I don't. I, I think he would certainly be being brought in more for a backroom position and more for, for squad hum, harmony and, and and giving them that sort of experienced head to guide them rather than necessarily playing a huge amount of minutes on the pitch. So mm. it, it depends what he's after. It depends what his ambitions are and what his expectations and, and, and how realistic he is about what he can still give at his age. But, yeah, as you said, I think it's just going to be a fascinating final few weeks, I think it is, of the window, week of the window. Um, so I guess we'll... We'll um, keep an eye out for that one. And, and one, um,
1: other thing, yeah. one other thing to consider with him is he has been known to play some centre-back in his time as well. So he's, oh, that's, you know, that's a good point. The, the fact that you maybe could be looking at him for, for some level of versatility, I mean, it's, it's, it's somewhat limited. You're never going to put him in a wide area or anything crazy like that, but... But it is an old head that um, can certainly, you know, shore up your defensive stocks if if you were to experience a couple of injuries or whatnot. So also
0: worth considering. No, that's a very good shout. Um, one stat, you know, sort of moving on to talk about the manager and one stat that I'd seen during the week, which I tweeted out and um, don't know if we have got anything to comment on it or anything like that, but thought it was worth repeating here was looking at managers that have, Managed more than twenty games for City, so you know, sort of cutting out any sort of caretakers or anything like that that could warp the um, the rankings. McCann has the third best points per game of a City manager in our history. Which just considering considering the way that that championship season ended and the lack of points collected, granted that means you know yes he had a very good League One record, but he, he's managed a decent number of games for City now and and, and has a remarkable record for us. Um, I guess when you consider the first half of that championship season. As well as last season as well, um, has the sixth best winning pers- uh, winning percentage for for city managers as well, which puts him above Steve Bruce, for instance. Um, he, I, w- I was thinking about it the other day, and I guess with this, the way that, that that first game went, that I would I would think it would be you know touching all sorts of wood to to, to not jinx things, but I-, I would think that he'll see out this season. Um, He's starting to become a, a, a quite a long-term manager for City, which I guess, considering we've had Adkins, uh, Slutsky and Silver as very short-term, and and Phelan as well, as very short-term managers uh, more recently, he, he's starting to, if if the season can continue to progress as it is, he's starting to sort of build, rebuild his reputation or, or start to build a bit of a legacy amongst City supporters. Absolutely, and that's a
1: that's a mind blowing stat to to hear. Just how you know promising um, th- those numbers are when you kind of crunch them and see how surprisingly successful, if I if I can say it like that, he has been. I think probably the 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 factor that I pull out of that that I think is really worth considering is the team when he first came into the equation was a team that he inherited and didn't really have too much of a of a say in. Uh, I would argue now that the, the squad that we're seeing right before our eyes is one that he is now more or less built um, with, with his own staff and it now has kind of been given a, a bit of licence to pick and choose the players that he wants or, or you know, uh, w- with, a, with a far lesser checkbook, I guess, than what, what he would potentially um, like. But on a shoestring budget, um, he certainly has built a team of players that, that he wants at the club and has certainly got them playing a Grant McCann-style football. I mean... What we saw in that Preston fixture on the weekend was, was typical McCann. Like it, there was times where we were exposed. There were times where we, you know, looked vulnerable. And then there were times where we looked like world beaters, where we had men fought and, you know, when we got into the final third. We looked like all kinds of threats. Like he, he really does have that coaching philosophy of, you know, we'll try and outscore outscore them. And it's exciting to watch. And I guess the fact that it's been at leg one level and one round of the, the championship, with the exception of the the season where we got relegated, it's it's a really interesting way, and I guess it's it's exciting to say that under McCann we go down fighting when we, when we go down, um, and I don't
0: mind that. Yeah, and, and I think that's the big thing as well is that look again we're kind of drawing from a, a sample of one game, but I guess it's just such a stark contrast to the way we finished last season. And I was saying to Mitch in a, in our chat that it was it was very stark in a sense that. It was 17 months to the day between that Preston fixture and the Stoke fixture, which poor Mitch was at, um, which was the last game with with crowds in England before the lockdowns and everything like that, where the Leeds game and the and the, and the Stoke games where we got batted 4-0 and 5-1 or something in, in the two games um, were games where the, the team just didn't seem to have any fight. And we went 1-0 down early to Preston, but then we came back and batted them 4-1. Um, and it just feels like a different, a different club and a different culture at the club, as you say. It's now a team that he's built completely. Um, it just feels like we're sort of trending in the right direction for for a change.
1: Absolutely, and as you said, I, you, you hit the nail on the head with that opening statement. It's we're going on a sample size of one game, but I think that what we have to kind of speak into is is the culture. Like that's the evidence, right? Yeah. It's it's not, it's not so much the results. It's it's not even that we went up as champions last year, although. At last season, even though that's an incredible feat and one that we're very excited about. But it, it certainly seems that there's a group of players who really want to play for him. And regardless if that is going to translate into results all the time, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But there's a lot more to like about what we're seeing under him now, and and it is because it is, is his team. Um, and, and that's a, a really exciting prospect for us as fans to to look forward to.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, before we look ahead to the uh, two games that we have coming up in the next week, we will do our triple flashback feature uh, where I will see how I'll test Logan's knowledge of previous city um, events or people or players. Um, Dan did okay last week. Um, so we'll see how you fare with this one, Logan. So, on the theme of uh, opening day wins, I thought I would ask you the question of. Whether you can name, excluding last weekend's game, of course. Whether you can name our last three opening day victories in in any division.
1: Oh, interesting. I feel one thing I will say is I feel like we have a pretty good record um, of of opening day fixtures. I, I do remember a couple of um, interesting draws that we've had, and the hard thing for me is always remembering the opening day or the really like exciting preseason fixtures when we've won those. Um, so, uh, if 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 you need some help, I
0: can give you a hint.
1: Please, please give me a hint. I, I I do feel like I need to outdo Dan, but right now I'm I'm so high on last week's game that it's it's kind of so so much at the forefront of my mind. I can't think
0: beyond it. So give so we had so so one of the three is in League One. Yeah. So obviously, first day of last season. One yeah. of them was in the Championship, and yeah. one of them was in the Premier League. Okay, so uh, certainly the the one that I will get, and that
1: is a, I would be ashamed if I didn't get this, will have to be the 2-1 victory over the Champions Leicester. um, who, uh, The famous double bicycle, and that should have come to the forefront of my mind. Um, the championship, I feel like, I could be wrong in this, did we play Northampton on the opening day of League One? Is no,
0: that, that might've been the second game. Oh, okay. Uh, so, so as a hint, so it was against a uh, one of the members of our team's former club. Well, two actually, Alfie Jones and Tom Eaves. Uh, it was against Gillingham and we yeah, won, we won one or two nil, I believe. Uh, I do have it here. What was it? It was two nil. Yeah, Lewis Potter and well, Magennis got the goals. Yeah, yeah that's then, right, because Magennis got the goal right at the end.
1: And then, so that would
0: make our championship uh, fixture
1: would have been it was a little while
0: ago so it might be a bit tricky
1: yeah um
0: under stevie bruce yep
1: um okay this is (sighs) this one escapes me and i i feel like as soon as you say it i will it will plague me and it'll probably be
0: really obvious but Give it to me. We, met, we, met, we actually mentioned it on the podcast last week. So uh, there you go. But it was it was actually against Huddersfield. It was with Sammy Klukas and Chuba Akpom got the two goals. It was this season, uh, so the 15-16 season, I think it was. I always get that mixed up. So first season back in, well, only season back in the championship under Bruce. And, uh, yeah, the two new signings got the two goals in that one. So, yeah, so the Huddersfield 2-0 followed the following season by the 2-1 over Leicester. We then had... Uh, a draw and two losses back in the championship under Slutsky, um, Adkins and McCann, and then obviously the win last season against Gillingham. So, yeah, I guess, I, yeah. There was one famous opening day uh, game that I do
1: remember, and I, I'm hoping that this wasn't a preseason game, but it was when John Bostock scored that absolute worldly. Um, and I believe Swansea, we won. yeah. Two, two
0: nil against Swansea that day. Yeah, two nil, two nil against Swansea. I think Ashby got the second.
1: Yeah, and I and I cannot remember for the life of me what year that was, but I do remember that was one of the most exciting opening days, and the stocks that I had in my head of the player John Bostock was going to be
0: was this high, and he surpassed none of it. I think that was our first season back after the first Premier League spell, so it's at 2010-11, I think it was. But 11, uh, that's about because right. I because well, I was going to ask you, um, I guess where where this uh, previous weekends. Uh, opening day fixture ranks with away fixture I can't think of many away opening day wins that we've had I think that Swansea game that you're talking about it's the only other one that I'm pretty sure comes to mind I'm pretty sure that was an away game Um, I, I just can't think of any sort of famous away games anyway
1: yeah, I, look, I, I, just, I always get the feeling that, it, it, well, when I say always, I, I do seem to recall, and I, maybe this is a, a false memory, but I just, I don't remember starting seasons really poorly, except for a couple in the in the Premier League. I know that we've had some really tough away uh, away day fixtures to start, um, and that's why I think that Leicester one was so significant to us. But I, I do feel like we've had the rub of the green in the in the lower divisions, um, you know, so to speak, over the years. But um, yeah, I, look. I was, I was, to, to answer your question, I, I think Saturday's, uh, Saturday's performance was an incredibly memorable opening day because how often do you put a team, you know, to the sword 4-1? And uh, I did say that uh, Preston were one of the form, uh, form guide leaders at the end of the season um, yeah. last year in the cha- – uh, last season in the championship too. So, I mean, look, there's probably a lot to uh, – we're reading too much into it, as we like to do when we get excited. But, um, you know, that's uh, – 4-1 away from home on the opening day it's it's going to be hard to to find something to to top that it'll it'll stay in the memory for for quite some time.
0: We're not reading too much into it we're going up as champions mate it's going to happen you watch. <laughs> <laughs> well look speaking of spe- speaking <laughs> speaking of challenging fixtures we do have we do have one coming up against QPR. I think that will um I guess give us a little bit of context with the uh, the Preston result. Um QPR one of the pre-season sort of dark horses but Dark, a dark horse that was so dark that they actually became one of the favourites. I think they've talked about that quite a bit um, with the, the quality of the squad that they've assembled and um, the nature of the players that they have there. two sort of familiar faces in Device and Adebayo in their ranks as well. So um, what would you make of this fixture against QPR and our, our chances in this one? Also worth
1: noting that he was another uh, another player who was on the, the AFL team of the week. Uh, Julie Device made it in there. Um, so I guess a very um, interesting time to be playing them with with our, our former man in form for, uh, for for the wrong club. But look, I think that as you as you mentioned, they do. There's a lot to like about QPR, and I know that um, they feel incredibly um, excited about their prospects this season. As you said, it's kind of the dark horse that. Uh, surpass their own expectation and now look like they're they're going to be a threat i i would expect qpr to be one of those teams that are there or thereabouts um in the in the six i would be really surprised if um if they found themselves mid-table or down the bottom i think that you know they're a club that uh, at championship level in recent history much like ours when they're in there they're always a threat you never kind of look at qpr as one of those weaker teams um and so it's going to be an interesting interesting fixture this week and i guess the it's far too early in the season to read in too much to to how they're going to be except for the fact that on paper they look like they're a quality side with as you said some some fairly handy signings but how we follow up that first result is is going to be critical and you know, there's no, there's no, there's no more impressive thing to to be kind of carrying into to games than momentum. It's it's so fascinating what momentum can do in, in in these championship seasons or League One where the games just come thick and fast, and you get a little bit of a roll on. How we follow up Saturday is going to be, um, you know, the true test, and I'm really looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, and look, you say QPR has been one of the more competitive sides in the championship, but I, I was actually genu- I was quite surprised to see that we've actually won three of our last five against them, and 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 in that five there's only one loss, so we've actually been quite competitive against them. Um, and, and I guess I was even more surprised to see that I'd completely forgotten that the last time we played them was December 2019, so just before we fell off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was actually Honeyman and Irvine who got the goals. I I. To be honest, I'd actually even forgotten that Honeyman had scored any goals for us last time around in the championship because I just um, didn't really have any sort of recollection of him doing a whole lot right that season. And in, in fairness to him, there was a lot of mitigating factors to that. But, um, you know, yeah, look, a positive performance against them last time we played them um, se- seems as if we're not carrying any injuries or issues heading into this game. Dare I say, I'd probably say an unchanged 11 for this one.
1: Yeah, you would, you would like to think so. I, I think that one thing that's really going to have to be up to scratch that I think that we probably gets you know, escapes us because of the result was so promising in the end. But I think there were definitely some frail moments, certainly how we opened the game. And, you know, when you look at QPR and they're, you know, spearheaded by none less than Charlie Austin, uh, just I think we have to be incredibly careful about, um, you know, the, the chances that we do allow and and hopefully those sloppy moments that we did see at least in the beginning of the game, uh, um, <laughs> not exactly what we call uh, frequent when it comes to to this fixture.
0: Yeah, Charlie Austin and the Aussie-born Scottish striker Lyndon Dykes as well. So, um, yeah, look, and it's a fair point. The only potential change in that sense would maybe be, um, I was going to say Odebajo, he's uh, long gone. Um Emmanuel um, at left back dropping out, but I don't necessarily. I mean, I know Fleming. I know Fleming um, started in the League Cup game, but I don't quite know if he'd be the preferred option for this fixture. But you know, they've got tricky players. Whether we whether we sort of back that uh, Emmanuel sort of learned or, or adapted a little bit more to that left back position, perhaps. I hope
1: that they do go with josh emmanuel and i uh, I know that that is probably coming at a place from our hearts we as we said we've called him this many times, but the most are uh, hard done by a player in all of League one last season i th- I think that it's it's really hard to you know to judge Manuel based on that performance on the weekend, given that he hasn't played all that much first team football in recent times, even in the trial games I mean he captained the the second trial <laughs> the second of, the, yeah. of our trial, trial matches so to throw him straight into the first team, to put him on, uh, to play him out of position, I really hope that McCann sticks with him in, and allows him a, a chance to at least prove himself um, at playing on the other side. Uh, but yeah, it'll we'll be it'll be intriguing to see what what they do there.
0: And do you have a score prediction for this one?
1: I would really love to, um, to to say that we're going to keep them scoreless, but I just can't see it happening. So I'm going to stick to the to the positive. Uh, positive momentum and try and build on what we had last week. I think we're going to win 2-1, but I definitely see QPR scoring.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll probably go with 2-1 as well. I can't bear my, I can't bear to bring myself to, to not tip a City win after last week, and I'll go with KLP to bag another goal in that one. Um, a game that's maybe more interesting for different reasons is the following fixture against Derby. Um, Derby, of course having something like 13 fit senior players, um, at the moment, given their current financial situation, Wayne Rooney, managing the club, uh, claiming that he's sleeping in the office because he's working night and day to sort of fix their situation. Although I think there's a few people who think that maybe there's other reasons that he's not sleeping in his, in his home, given some of the stories in the media, but, um, whatever the case, look, you know, they're in an interesting position and, um, they did get a 1-1 result, one-one draw with um, Huddersfield last week, although Huddersfield had half a dozen players out with COVID at the time as well. So, so mitigating factors in that one. Um, it, it feels like a game that we... It, it's hard to say that it, it's a must-win because it's not necessarily a must-win, but it's the sort of game that we really need to be banking the three points and taking advantage of their situation as much as we can. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think
1: that you know we're really lucky in the way that the fixtures lined up that we do have them this early in the season as you mentioned i mean look they're they're not without quality players they still are um you know they've obviously got curtis davies who i imagine really good on the weekend yeah and will thrive in a situation like this we know how much of a competitor curtis davies is and um i think that there would be a quiet confidence amongst the playing group that they would relish that in the same way that you know we relish that that opening day against leicester Um, you know the backs against the wall. Always be scared of a of a wounded team like that, and they also have steaming in uh, in defence. That look, they're they're not to be messed with. They're no easy beat. But as you said, there is some some real interest just surrounding how strange their circumstances are, and um and, and certainly if we go, uh, you know, if we play derby with confidence, particularly if we're able to to draw a win against uh, QPR, you would really fancy us to you know to take take the three points there.
0: Yeah, I sort of dared to do the thing that, you know, you should never do in sport. And I did look two games ahead um, when I was saying in the chat that if, being a big if, if we could beat QPR, the chance to start the season with three wins would would really be quite a tantalising one, especially given the fixtures we have after that derby game. We do play, you know, Fulham, Bournemouth and... Uh, maybe it's Sheffield United as well in our next four. After that, so so some really tough fixtures to come. So it, it, the 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 more points that we can bank at this stage and start to get off to that positive start, the better. Um, and look, it isn't. It, it's a really good comparison, I think, during that comparison to the Leicester game because it's easy to look at their squad and say, well, they only have 13 fit players; they're not going to be any good. But that still that still means that they can field a pretty decent first eleven. They have um, Ravel Morrison, who scored a great goal in the the League Cup this morning for them. Um, as you say, they've got Curtis Davies, they've got a few pretty decent players at championship level. Um, and if you're not making substitutions and, and they can run out the game, then who cares if they don't have more than 13 players available? So, uh, you know, as we saw in that Leicester game. Um, so so they're still certainly a tricky opponent and, and not to be taken lightly. But as you say, I think um, playing them at this stage of the season, hopefully will mean that we can essentially take advantage of that situation and, and hopefully bank the three points Um what would be your score prediction for this one? Look, looking that far ahead, it's.
1: Yeah, it's I, I would love, I would love to be able to fast forward through this QPR game and, and reflect on that game before making this score prediction. But look, if if Derby do, if Derby do head out with, with a team that does look um, significantly under strength, I, I would back us to win. I, I think it would be close. I, I can't see us blowing them off the park. I'd maybe in. In this absolute messed up world of making a prediction this far ahead i'd say like maybe one nil
0: uh yeah i was actually just going to say one nil as well i think you're right i think i think there'll be a lot of expectations going into this game especially after the preston game that will win three four five nil but i don't i think i think it's definitely um i think it's definitely sort of overblown just how weak their 11 is i think that they'll actually put up quite a fight and if we can take the three points i'm i'm happy to take the three points and move on from it i don't think we we need to be expecting more than that and and i think it's almost the biggest danger is if the playing group starts to get ahead of themselves and starts to expect the win before we've actually gone out on the pitch and and i think that's the biggest danger in a game like this where as you say you know the 11 are strong they're, they're quite together tight knit as a group they'll be up for the challenge and we can't we can't sort of give them that opportunity to to forge a bond and get the result against us so we've just got to be clinical and it and that's why i sort of said in some ways it's a bigger test in the qpr game because it's about how professional the, the squad can be and how much they can just be quite clinical and we did it through the season last year in league one and, and we have to do it again here is that is that an interesting uh, concept when you know when we have been in the championship before i think
1: that you know clubs have have looked at us as as kind of one of the bigger fishes in the in the pond so to speak and you know the fact that we have such a new look squad now've we we've come up from League one and certainly on paper we're not exactly what you would call a star started lineup when you consider the likes of of some of the other the squads I think that it will mean, I'd be really interested to know you know how you say this but do you think that that plays into um, the way that you know we we can or can't get complacent in games like when we when we do play the likes of a Fulham or the likes of a chef united? Um, you think it keeps the playing group honest?
0: Yeah, I'm I'm going to be so fascinated to see how we go against them because we sort of keep coming back to the fact it's just been one game and it's so hard to judge how we're going to perform over the season where we've seen this squad sort of gel and grow against against essentially lesser opposition in, in League One. We saw them against Leeds at the start of last season get the win, albeit on penalties, and lose to West Ham. But we haven't really had any opportunities yeah. other than those games to see how we would go against better opposition. So to see how we can go against a Fulham, even a QPR this weekend is going to be a really fascinating game because I think, as you say, having having quite a an unknown squad in a sense. There's not really any egos in the dressing room. I think think it's a very level headed group, um, and yeah, look, it'll be really. I think I think this next this next seven days of games is going to be really interesting to see because I think the QPR game will say a lot. And I think the Derby game will say a lot as well in just, just in terms of where their heads are at, um, what, what, what their sort of ambitions are, I guess, and and how we play against those stronger teams, whether, whether we go into our shells, whether we get a bit more defensive or whether we continue just to run at teams and and sort of play our way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, um,
1: I, I completely agree. I, I'm, I'm intrigued by it, and I, I do think that there is something to be said for a team that do have to prove themselves at this level again. And uh, I, I look forward to you know to seeing how the players respond against not just the the trips to the you know I guess the lesser clubs in the division, but how do we handle ourselves against the big fish?
0: No, absolutely, it's going to be a great week of games. Um, so thank you for joining me to run through them, Logan.
1: My pleasure. Always, always good to talk about City, and particularly after such a positive weekend.
0: Absolutely, no worries. And thank you everyone for listening in. It's always great to talk City after a big win like that and long may they continue. So until next time, come on City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast. For more discussion, join us on Facebook in the Hull City AFC Australian Supporters Group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. There's no turning back, cause you're out.